this episode, I have Daryl Williams on, and Daryl is actually my barber. I met Daryl at Massive Barbershop in downtown Oakland. There's this interesting barber-client relationship where you have these conversations that are unexpectedly personal, and you really get to know somebody. And so gotten to know Daryl, and he is an excellent barber, really talented, and he approaches it with a, a sentiment similar to the, the famous Ira Glass quote where he says, everybody starts out and they're not uh, creating work that they want to create. It's not as good as they want it to be. But the thing that matters is you have taste. You have that vision. And, and as you practice, you get closer to that thing that you envision creating. In speaking with Daryl, he just had a similar sentiment towards becoming a, a great barber. And I invited him to kind of tell me more about his path from growing up in Cleveland to making it out to the Bay Area. I didn't realize this, but he actually had a couple of run-ins with the law that ended up teaching him some very real life lessons that he brings with him today. Thank you for listening. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and NPR One. NPR One is a new platform streaming radio and podcasts on demand. Thank you to the NPR One team for putting us up on their, their exciting new platform. And thank you to Daryl and all the other guests we've had on the show. Without them, the show wouldn't be possible. Now, let's start the conversation. Is this where you'd like to be in your life? And is this what you'd like to be doing? How'd you get here? And where do you hope to go in the future? Most importantly, how are things right now? And what have you learned along the way? This is Bill Ehrlich. Is now a good time? You set it up, but not tell it to you. You said you were originally from Cleveland. Right. Is that where you grew up your whole childhood? Is that where your extended family is? Yeah, that's where basically my um, upbringing became. An upbringing is in Cleveland, Ohio. Growing up, what were you like as a kid? Was there anything that you were really drawn to or really into? Was it just normal childhood? It was just basically a normal childhood. Nothing really spectacular, you know, that was a pivotal moment. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? As a child growing up. Yeah. Other than the fact that I was in the hood and my mother didn't like it very much. So she moved us out of the hood at the age of 10 into the suburbs. So then I had the opportunity to experience the suburban lifestyle versus being in the hood. To make a decision like which one should I choose or which one I would like the, the most as far as um, the geographics. You know, the geographics, you know what I'm saying? One minute I'm in the hood, next minute I'm in a suburban, you know what I'm saying, sipping tea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was like, ah, oh, this is whack. <laughs> need some, need to go jump some trains and do something different because this is too boring up here, too slow. So growing up, you, you at 10, you guys moved out to the suburbs, and then you were kind of going back and forth, seeing both. Did you feel like you fit in better in one rather than the other, or was it confusing and you kind of could exist in both? You kind of knew how to navigate. Yeah, I was a navigator, man. I didn't really have no decision about that. I was just absorbing the difference 
between the hood and the suburbs. You know, I didn't, it didn't, I didn't care one way or other. As a kid, man, kids don't really think about too much stuff like that until you know what I'm saying they get involved in something or don't be involved in something. It was cool to have an experience for both. I know that. That was, that was great. How you know what I'm saying? I had the best of both worlds. You know what I'm saying? The hood and the suburban lifestyle. What did you see as being the best of both worlds? See, the best of both worlds is like from the suburbs, you know, pretty much everything was given to me. You didn't have to work as hard for stuff. Being in the hood, you have to work for everything. It was no nothing easy. You know, you have to apply yourself more. So it in the hood, it gives you more motivation. So it made me to appreciate when I earn something. That's a good lesson no matter where you grow up. Yeah, a lot of people don't get a chance to recognize those pivotal milestones that you need to have to be an adult or to make decisions. People's adults, but they really don't be adults with good decisions. What do you think is the thing that changes that defines adulthood for real? Being responsible. Uh, being motivated towards a goal. Um, focusing on, you know, your retirement early. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wait till the last minute. Tell me, I'm 70 years old and I just want to start putting my money away. No, you need to start putting your money away when you was 30. Stuff like that, you know. Just, just got to know, man, that. You're not going to live forever, and you need to know that you need to put some nuts away for a rainy day. That's all to that, you know, because you never know what's going to happen from one day to the next. Growing up, were you good in school? Was school something that interested you? Did you play sports? Yep. I was everywhere. The hood, you know, you did different things as far as activities. Suburbs, you went to the library. So, you know, it wasn't like the library was a bad thing, you know. I mean, up in, it was it was an honor to have a library card. In the hood, it was, it was an honor to have money in your pocket. So it was a little different, you know. The focus was just a tad different. Throughout my whole growing up period, I was always back and forth between the hood in the suburbs, but as I got older, I appreciated the suburbs because I didn't hear gunshots, it was quiet, the kids was less confrontational. You really had to push the envelope in order for someone to really want to get into an altercation. You know, they was more, more so relaxed. Down in the hood, if you just stepped across the line the wrong way, you know, you got socked in the mouth. So it was it was an experience, man. It was really an experience. You just don't even know. I can't really explain it to you. You have to live it. You know, some things, you know, you can't linguistically, you know what I'm saying, put them into words. 
it's just more or less like an, an attitude or like a feeling. When was the first time you cut hair? Do you remember the first time you said, hey, give me the, give me the scissors, I can do this? Yeah, my cousin needed a haircut. How old were you? Uh, I think I was about 12. <laughs> <laughs> and we had some clippers. I think we got the clippers from our parents or something because I think they was cutting their hair or something because that's just how it was back then. It wasn't going, they were shaping up the afros and shaping up their goatees with the personal clippers in the house. So I think I found an old pair of clippers and went to work on my cousin. And then it didn't come out too bad for my first haircut. It didn't come out too bad. So I think that's what sparked my interest as becoming a barber. And then I started practicing on myself. And then as I started getting compliments, I started cutting more family members here. And then one day, Kind of good. Just let me go head on and get my license and see if I can look somebody because I see the joy it brings on people's face. And that just stimulated me to my big toe. <laughs> you know? So I was like, oh, I can, oh man, I can make somebody look handsome and boost their self esteem. It makes me feel good inside. I think I like cutting hair. I think that's going to be my choice. to um, the barbershops and get my hair cut. Then I get, got a chance to see how barbers live, you know, like, far as getting money. I was always attracted to, you know, the money because from being in the hood, you know, because in the hood, that's all you see is money exchange. But I didn't want to do illegal things, you know what I'm saying? But I end up doing them. But Still, I didn't want to do them. It's just like I was kind of like peer pressured into it. And once you get peer pressured into something, you have to live up to a status. And then with the status comes, you know what I'm saying, um, popularity. And then popularity becomes money. So you started cutting at 12, and it kind of grew from there. And you got this experience of giving other people confidence, giving other people that kind of glow. It seems like people who really get joy out of their work, oftentimes there's that sense of the attention. You don't want the attention on you. You're channeling your skill to put the attention on somebody else and make them shine. Yeah, that's how you do. You got to switch it. You got you to gotta be crafty. You know what I'm saying? You can't just be self-centered and think it's all about you and your ego. Your ego. You have to like what you do. 
you know, and then that's how you get your fulfillment as a barber. You have to like what you do. And if you don't like what you do, you're not going to be a very good barber. Not a successful one. You could be good, but not really successful. How would you define success? <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> not able to work as a barber. You know? <laughs> do you think do you, do you, do you seem to like it, though? You seem to like... Yeah, but it becomes, uh, as you get older, it wears on your body, just yeah. like anything, you know. So you have to come to the understanding that you can do this forever. You grew up in Cleveland, went to high school in Cleveland, and then went to college in Cleveland. No, well, I went to, to college at Kent State. At Kent State? Right. And... um it was in Kent, Ohio. It okay. was in Ohio, mm -hmm. but I went to Kent. Got kicked out for partying too hard. Then I had to go to community college. I got my barber license in 2000, but what I did before that, I was a cosmetologist. Okay. So I did female's hair first, oh. and I did that for like 10 years. So I, did, I got my cosmetology license in like in the 90s. Yeah. But I've been cutting hair off and on only to, like, family members and stuff like that. Okay. Not in friends, you know. Yeah. Like, okay, well, we're at school and somebody need a haircut. Okay, I cut your hair. Yeah. Okay, you give me some money, I cut your hair. Yeah. But mostly I was doing cosmetology, so stuff. So it was like I'm, cut, I'm, I'm doing females' hair. I'm boxing. I'm going to martial art classes. I'm running the streets. It's like I'm balancing like 50 things at once, you know, and making it all work. Was this during college or right after college? I was doing college, doing my whole life. During your <laughs> I'm balancing like 50 things right now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I've always been a person that's been a huge multitasker. You know, I never like had one thing. I don't even have the luxury to have one thing. Yeah. That's why I'm working on my retirement. So I could just have one thing, bro, and relax. That's it. That's what I'm that's my focal point. That's what I'm trying to get to right now. Because I'm always doing fifty things at one time. And I I have a lot of responsibilities and it's like how do you how do you make it all work? And still maintain yourself. You know, I say, hey, I don't even know. You know, I don't even know. And I've been doing this all my life. I don't even think I had no down. Yes, I did. I had some downtime. But I had to go to prison to get it, though. So tell me about this experience. Because right now, you strike me as, as happy. I mean, I, I don't know if I want to use the word content or happy, but... I'm, you, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm happy. I'm you, happy. See, you seem to be doing well now. And it's like part of that is like you have all this wisdom from these experiences, which at the time yep. probably were not, you know. They weren't good experiences when I was going through them. But they're good experiences now that I look back and becoming the person that I am today, you know, because it helps me to make better decisions. It helps me to be more focused. 
on, you know, the things that's of priorities and necessaries. So I learned to be responsible. When you make appointments and different things, you know, you honor them. And then you put put it in order. You everything has a packing order. So I do the interview, and I still go over there. After I get finished with that, then I go home and do my laundry. Then you know, and then I make it fit within my day, even though I don't have that many hours in a day, because twenty four is not enough. So I make it work. So what uh, happened that that had you go to prison? Well, just the love of money. Just being a hustler. You know, like, that's something that I had to learn, too, to redirect your energy. I can make money legally and don't have to. It's like now I have a cannabis delivery service. I'm still hustling, <laughs> but now I'm doing it legal. Yeah. You feel me? And and moving to California provided me the opportunity to do it. But before I was in Ohio when they didn't have it, it was illegal, I would sell. It was, you know, I needed that money. I needed that hustle. So I did it, and the repercussions behind it was don't collect your $200, don't pass go, and go straight to jail. You know, and it's that's so bad, you lay in it. You know, you don't cry about it. You just live it. You know, you live within the moment because that's all you have is the moment. But... One thing about the moment, it will pass. So, and it'll be on to the next. So, your questions to yourself is, what am I going to do in the next moment? So, while you living in that moment, you need to be thinking about what you're going to do in the next moment when it passes. That's the key. People be stuck in moments and don't figure out that it's going to pass. Basically, what you're doing in Ohio is like, the same hustle as you're doing here, but you're doing it legally. Yeah. You also mentioned that you had some time to sit still. Right. During that. Incarceration. Incarceration. Right. That's what I had to learn. First, I had to find myself to find out who I was. And then the only way I had to find myself was through reading, education. And then it helped me to cope with being incarcerated because I was angry. I didn't want to be responsible for my actions. I wanted to blame others for my downfall. But in hindsight and in reality, it's my fault. I'm the one who went out there and made the decisions and did what I did. I can't make my parents be responsible for me and make sure that I got money on my books because, you know what I'm saying, I went out and made those decisions. No, but I'm angry because they wouldn't. Then I had to, you know what I'm saying, understand that it's not their responsibility. Their responsibility is to show me support, not to support me. It's a difference, you know, and I had to learn that. You learn these things, man, I'm telling you, and I see a lot of people that think just because they're your parents or just because of your brother, they are supposed to do things. No, they're not supposed to do those things. You're supposed to do those things for you, you know, and with you being responsible for you, people support you. So I had to learn a lot. So 
basically going to prison helped me to understand me and what I need to do. See, some people are just, they do things and don't get caught, so they don't have to worry about the repercussions, you know? They do it, and they don't learn anything. They just do it and get away with it. And some folks get caught, and then they have to deal with it. And still, just because they have to deal with it, they don't deal with it correctly because they don't want to resume responsibility. They want to stay somebody giving them handouts. They don't want to be independent. They don't want to assert themselves, you know what I'm saying, to be productive. They just want to just be passive-aggressive, you know what I'm saying, within whatever circumstances that they're in. They don't want to change. They don't want to move forward. They just content. I don't like being content with just settling. You can't because life is constantly evolving. So how can you be content? You always have to stay focused on the betterment of self or betterment of your situation because if not, your view is content, you know what I'm saying? You just be happy with $5 an hour. That wouldn't help your your rent situation. You won't have enough money at $5 an yeah. hour. You need to push yourself to get $12 an hour. Do you think you would have had the opportunity and taken responsibility for your own life in that way without that experience? Going to prison? Without going to prison? I don't know. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. But knowing me the way I think, I probably would have, you know, changed. I'm going up. I'm going down. I'm going up, down, round, down. In any way you want me, let it roll. Yeah, yeah. So once you, once you came out and had this time to, to, to read and kind of do this like evolution or like metamorphosis, you come out and then what's next? Oh, oh, I got to hit the grindstone, man. You hit the grindstone. So you were in Cleveland. You came, you got out of, out of prison and then. I moved to Virginia. You moved to Virginia. Mm-hmm. I have. I haven't been through this, but it seems like it would be hard to then make a living because then you have this on your record and people don't give you a chance or... No, the job that I have as a barber and cosmetologist stylist, they don't really be asking you about your, you know, as long as you ain't no mass murderer or nothing, that, or you got psychological tendencies where you got split multiple personalities yeah. and stuff, as long as you're able to socialize with people and give them good service and have a license, you all right. So did you already have the, were you already doing cosmetology before? Yeah. You were doing cosmetology and then you just went to Virginia to. No, then that's when, that's when I started barbering. In Virginia? Well, that's when I got my license. Okay. I got my license in Virginia in 2000. Did you go to Virginia? Was it helpful to have like a clean slate and like a fresh start? 
and be in a different environment? Yeah, it was. I guess it was good to be have a clean slate because um, then nobody know you. Yeah. So all the hype that you had to live up to, you don't have to live up to when you move to a new state because, you know, you create your own destiny. And that's what you learn from moving from different states. You can be somebody else or be a different person. It's, you know, it's a good thing. So you create whatever problems you you have by being that person. You know, if you want to be an upstanding uh, citizen, then you don't you don't jaywalk. You want to be an ass, you cuss people out, you know, and you're going to get what you put out there in the universe, you know. So if you want positiveness to come back, then you put positive things and you get positive stuff back. You know, it's always going to be some little bumps in the road, but it's nothing that you can't overcome. Nothing that you can't just be like, uh, it's temporary. Just let me keep on doing what I'm doing, going to work, and it'll pass. With the, how'd you decide on Virginia? I was with my wife. She wasn't my wife, but she was acting as my wife. And we decided that we was going to try to make a life. But I was being watched. And I got there. As soon as I got things in order, they came and snatched me up and put me back in prison. (laughs) So you, same stuff as before? Yeah, but I wasn't doing anything. I was Cutting hair and stuff. I wasn't doing nothing. Uh, oh, so they picked you up for for what then? Conspiracy. Oh, something that was under old. Investi- yeah, under investigation. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I had a business, uh, a home improvement business. I was a general contractor. My wife, she had a real estate license and she worked for the government. We had our own house. And then they just came and got me. It was like, look, you owe us. So, <laughs> so um, here I go, going back. Then, so then, did you go back in Ohio or went back in Virginia? I, oh well, the government picked me up, so they they everywhere. They, yeah. You know, you know, wherever they want you to be. Yeah, I'll be in Pittsburgh one one year. Next year, I'm in South Carolina. Next year, I'm in back. In Virginia, next year or so, too, I'm back in Ohio. They move you around. You don't just be in one place. How how long were these stints? Were they about the same amount of time, or were they different lengths of time? Yeah, it was different lengths of time till my till my um, my sentences was up. And then once it got closer to my sentences being up, you get different, um, how you would say, uh, incentives like, you can do the drug program, or you can do a house arrest, or you can do a furlough. Because you now your security level is low because you're you're about to get out, so you don't you're not such a high security risk. So now you get you're able to um, have these different opportunities. So um, I just took advantage of it, of these opportunities, and got home early. Worked me a job, try to get myself back acclimated to the system, which is, you know what I'm saying, being a citizen. 
took me some class on self-help and try to put it into practice. Was it harder to go the first time or the second time? The second time. Because I wasn't, I didn't want to go, you know. But they say I owed them, so I had to pay them. It's just like if the IRS come in right now and tell you, uh, if you don't pay this money, we're going to garnish you all your checks or you're going to make an arrangement to pay us and we don't have to garnish you your checks. What you going to do? You're going to make arrangements to pay them. Ain't no getting around it. You yeah. got to do what you got to do, basically. So after, did you take the self-help classes the second time you're in or after? Uh, second time. And what? I was angry. You're angry again? Yeah. Or still? I was angry the first time. I was angry the first time uh-huh. because I didn't know no better. Yeah. The second time I was angry was because I felt that I shouldn't have been there. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of acting out, doing a lot of fighting, just, you know, it's, I ain't know. I ain't know. I ain't know how to redirect energy. Then I did my time in a hole. Then I learned myself because I had to be there by myself. Only thing I was there with twenty three and one. You know, you get one hour out and you're locked up for twenty three. Jeez. And I did that for a year. A year and some change. You learn yourself. You learn yourself. You learn what you like, what you dislike. Can you stand yourself? Talk to yourself. Learn to make do as far as communication. I might have to try to talk to the person next to me in the cell next to me through a vent. So it becomes a way of being sociable. Unless you guys got a nutcase. I done had, I was in a hole one time and I was I had a nutcase. All he did was smear doodle on the wall. Can't talk to him. You can't talk about shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it is what it is, you know? So I got moved because I couldn't stay the smell. Like, I was like, man, y'all got me in here in the psychiatric ward. You know what I mean? Y'all get me out. I know I did wrong, but damn. <laughs> you really punishing me, like, three times. And they was like, how you pun- How am I getting punished three times? So at first, I'm in prison. Now you got me in the hole. Now I'm in the hole with a nutcase. That's three times. What you mean? <laughs> You'd be like, oh, man, we're going to get you. You got too, too sad to be up here. Come on, yeah. man. Get you moved, man. I'm like, I know. How to get out. So after you, after you got out the second time, uh-huh. were you back in Virginia or 
Or did you then move to no, California? Then I, that's when I moved to California. And how long ago was that? That was been two and a half years now. Okay. So th- because the thing is, the way you talk about it, it seems way longer than two and a half years. Yeah, because I didn't did a lot. For a person that that got out of prison, I didn't made a lot of milestones that normal people don't even do, you know, for themselves. But I feel that I owe it to myself to get my life back on the track that it should be, like expeditiously. You know, it's like I can't sit around and have luxury of working when I want to work. You know, no, I have to work extra. So that's why I'm open seven days a week because I need extra. Cause I need to get back ASAP. How'd you choose California? Because we have a family house here. Okay. So I just utilize that. Do you feel like, do you feel like California, do you feel like this is a better fit? Heck yeah. I should have been here a long time ago. I probably wouldn't even been, got in trouble because everything is so, Man, everything is so liberal. It do, do you feel at all that like when you're here and the culture like it's a fit, it kind of makes you it it removes some of that desire to like act out or do certain things that might get you in trouble? Yeah, it's just like it's so chillax here. It's like you can do whatever you want. And you know and I mean, within reason, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You're not, not going to be speed down the street, you know what I'm saying, 100 miles an hour is a 35 miles an hour zone, you know. But you can do 45, you know. Just do things within reason, you know. And they don't care. California do not care, you know. And then if you um, fill your days with, you know, positive things like going to the beach or – Going to the movies, you know. Just going to a free concert that's in the park. You have all those opportunities here in California. In other states, you know, they they don't have them. They they have a lot of racial profiling and stuff, and and it's different. You know, it's different to culture wise, especially in the Bay. Now, I've been in other parts of California that's not as so as liberal, but in the Bay Area. Man, it's so nice to be in the Bay Area. It's like it's not too hot, it's not too cold. The people is real diverse. In other states, you don't really have that, you know. And and that's the beauty part of being in the Bay. The Bay is like the best move ever. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Look, I'm like I'm sitting in the loft right now, doing an interview. You know what I'm saying? With a guy, you know what I'm saying, that's not even one of my peers. It's just, but you are my peer, but you're not a peer of color, you know. And it's just like, we here, we socialize, and we interacting. It's natural. If I interacted with you in, in Ohio, you had to be a crackhead or something, you know. Unless I'm in the suburbs. See, it's different, you know. And that's the kind of diversity that I like. That's the, when I had to understand the choices that I made. And I'm glad that my parents moved me to the suburbs because I got a chance to recognize and witness that. 
I, if I would have never moved to the suburbs, I never would have had that. I'd have always had that stigma, like, I'm a ghetto, you know, and and my my mentality is if, you ain't, if it ain't rough, it ain't right, you know, that type of. But it's not all about that. It's about, you know what I'm saying, having peace is what's important, you know, and be able to interact with others without prejudging them. That's what I like about California and the suburbs, being the interaction. And that's how I learned how to gravitate towards it. Because other than that, I wouldn't have had no idea that that was out there. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I feel the same way about California. So it's, I mean, if you can get the place you live right and the place, the thing that you do for like a living right, and then... Ideally, also the person you're with, you know, you, if you can get those three things right, man, life is going to be good. Simple. Real simple. Real That's simple. What, yeah, man. <laughs> but you said that you had only gotten your barber license in 2000. You've only been out here in California for two and a half years. Right. You're working at the barber shop. You order, that The shop has a good following. You have a good clientele. And the way that you've described your profession is in a way that it's a pursuit. You're a student of the game. You're always getting better. I mean, tell me more about how that evolution of how you approach it and just more about how that's progressed over the years and, and your experiences. Had to be humble. You have to be very humble and willing to learn no matter what you think you know. You need to try it and, you know, go back to the drawing board and make sure that you know what you know. But it's very humbling, you know, because you have people around you that's, and it's always levels. It's always levels. Everything that we do is levels, 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 levels. So it's good when you're working around your peers as professionals that's better than you or as good as you. Because it makes you to not be so um, complacent to, you know what I'm saying, your hustle, to your yeah. game. Because it's constantly changing and and you have to stay on top of it. Because if you don't, you, you just be an old barber with old skills, with old ideas, just old everything, be old. Just like an old car. It's cool to have an old school, but it don't have no A.C., I need AC in my car. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you're just an old barber and don't do designs, then, you know, you kind of like, wait, you know, obsolete. So it's a humbling. You have to be humble to recognize these things, you know. And I am. And I'm motivated, you know what I'm saying, to be eager to learn. So, and I'm glad to have good peers you know what I'm saying, professional peers around me to help push and motivate me. And that's what makes me better. You know, and besides, you know, my passion. I love cutting hair. I cut hair 24 hours, as long as there's money involved. Sleep when I'm dead. Money don't sleep. Why should I? It's your thing. Do what you want to do.
describe how, I know you told me this once in the shop, when you first started cutting, it was like you knew you could see what you wanted to do in your head, but you couldn't always make it real at first. And then as you, as you got better skills and then you practiced, you could, you could get closer and then right. start making it, that vision in, in reality. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a craft in itself to um be able to extract what a person wants or what a person think they want but they really don't want it so you have to be a visionary you know what I'm saying to give them what's needed sometimes they don't know what they need but you do so you have to kind of like find out what direction they're going in and then kind of like tweak it so that it fits and works best for the both of you. You know, because you can't do something for somebody if you don't know what they want or they can't explain what you want. But if I, if you can articulate what they want, you know, if they can articulate what they want, then you should be able to, you know what I'm saying, make it and manifest it. That's why, you know, when I cut hair, my pet peeve is, hold on one second, let me give you the mirror. And then we'll work it from there. And then as we work it from there, then you stamp it, I cut it. And that's, it usually is a good formula, it works. And I have people say, Oh, I never had my barber just give me the mirror and so I can watch my haircut or be interactive in my haircut. I'm like, why? Why not? You know, especially if you're not certain what you really want. Why not? And then they say, well, how did you get that right? I said, I don't know. I guess I'm lucky. They'd be like, no, nah, you're not lucky. I'm like, yeah. But it's really just come down to Good customer service and, and listening and listening, you know, to what they really want rather right. than what they say they want. Right, uh. exactly that right there. <laughs> you must, you must know a little something. <laughs> the um, now, now, so you're you're in California, right? You're established here. You're cutting hair at massive, uh, massive. Mm-hmm. Downtown Oakland, right? It's a good shop. Seven thirteen Washington. Seven thirteen Washington. And if you had to give advice to either a younger version of yourself, or just people in general, or someone who's younger, what what's what is the piece of advice that really kind of you think could help people? First, find out what it is that you would like to do. Be focused and be passionate about it. And make it work by any means necessary. You know, sometimes you have to go beyond the call of the norm. You have to put in an extra mile if you want it to be successful. The extra mile is the capitalization of, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. You know, it's real simple. You put in, if you put in effort, 
you're gonna get something out of it. You're gonna reap the rewards, benefits. Yes, you are. But if you don't put in no effort, you don't get no gains. So I say stay focused and be passionate. That's That would be my advice to a person that's trying to find direction. You definitely got to do that and be serious. And humbling. You got to be humble. When you say passionate, do you mean just like love for the craft or whatever it is that you're doing? You got a student of the game? Student of the game. It's not a static pursuit. It's always, it's dynamic. It's always moving. You always have to be in pursuit. Always. You you can't, you know, you, you you just can't think that. You know it all and just because you, you know, you did it a few times. And here's my, this, this is my favorite question. If you had to title your autobiography, what would the title be? Under Pressure. Definitely under pressure. I stay under pressure. I got a headache right now. I I stay under pressure. But it's about what are you gonna do with it? What are you gonna do with that pressure? Love that. That's great. <laughs> All right. Should we pitch? Should we? Uh, do you want to do a pitch for Massive? To, shout out. Just a shout out to the shop. Of course. Of course. Massive East Bay, seven thirteen Washington, downtown Oakland. Is Now a Good Time is a production by Bill Ehrlich, Mike Benz, Shane Callahan, Chloe List, and Ryan Lipkin. Please go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. Also, if you know of anyone who could be a good guest, go ahead and send us a note at yes at isnowagoodtime.com. Again, that's yes at isnowagoodtime.com. Thank you.